0: It's time for Northwestern Outdoors Radio, the show focusing on fishing, hunting, outdoor recreation, destinations, and conservation in the region where you live and play. Northwestern Outdoors is brought to you by Max Lure Company, Sportsman's Warehouse, and Wallowa County. And now, let's see what's going on in the
1: field and on the water with your host, John Cruz. Welcome aboard. It is good to be home. I've got to tell you, I do love show season, but it does wear me out. After all, I spent a week in Las Vegas for SHOT Show in January, and then a week in Puyallup for the Washington Sportsman Show, and just finished up another week at the Pacific Northwest Sportsman Show in Portland, and again... It's great seeing everybody. I love telling folks about our show that haven't heard about it before, and I love connecting with my friends in the outdoors industry. It's just a lot of fun, but it also wears you out three weeks on the road, so it's good to be back home. March is just ahead. That means I'm going to be launching the bass boat at Potholes Reservoir, and me and my best friend, Rusty Johnson, we're going to be doing some bass fishing and prepping for a big bass tournament that takes place April 9th there. This week on Northwestern Outdoors Radio, we've got a great show for you. We're going to start off talking to Doug St. Denis. He is a fishing guide, owns 365 charters, and he'll take you bass fishing. Not only that, he'll teach you how to be a better bass angler. And at the Washington Sportsman Show, we recorded audio about a seminar he was giving about bass fishing on a budget. That's right. You don't have to break the bank to be a bass angler and catch all sorts of bass. And Doug's going to explain exactly how you can do this too. Eric Winther with the Washington Department of Fish and Wildlife and the Northern Pike Minnow Sport Reward Fishery Program is back. And I think you're going to like the news he's bringing today. If you go fishing for pike minnow, you're going to get a raise. That's right. They're going to pay you more this year to catch and turn in pike minnow. It's all part of a conservation effort to save out migrating salmon and steelhead smolt. And believe me, If you put a lot of effort into this, you can make a whole bunch of money. Another guest we'll talk to today is Randall Bonner. Randall is an outdoors writer from Corvallis, Oregon. He's a member of the Northwest Outdoor Writers Association, and he just came out with his very first book, The Bead Fishing Bible. It's going to be published by Amato Publications. And if you've never heard of bead fishing before for steelhead and trout, You really need to get on board. It's a very effective method of catching these fish, and Randall will tell you more about it. In addition to this, Shelby Ross, the owner of Ross Outdoor Adventures, is back for another Extended Max Minute. And this time, he's going to tell you how to catch walleye right after the ice comes off a lake near you. On top of all this, we're going to let you know where trout are being stalked here in the northwest in recent weeks. Talk about ethical shed hunting. This is the time of year to discuss that. And, of course, give you the chance to win a $25 gift card during our Sportsman's Warehouse Trivia Question of the Week. Put it all together, we've got a great show coming your way, so let's get it started.
2: Be respectful of birds and their habitats while observing or photographing them. David Sparks, Sportsman's Spotlight with Fish and Game official Roger Phillips.
3: Birds, like all wildlife, we prefer that they be left alone and let them do what they naturally do, and people get excited when they see certain birds, and a lot of times they want to take like the perfect photo, get too close to them, and that bird flushes away, and especially as we get into nesting season, it's important to give those birds their space and treat them like other wildlife and kind of let them be birds in their natural habitat.
2: So use a telephoto lens and maintain enough distance to allow your subject to behave naturally. Do not advance on birds with the intention of making them fly, whether they are alone or in flocks. If your approach causes a bird to flush or change its behavior, you are too close. Use flash sparingly as a supplement to natural life. Learn the rules and laws that apply to the location. Before sharing locations of specific birds with other photographers, videographers, or birders, think carefully about potential impacts to the birds. Remove GPS data from your images, videos, for rare or sensitive species like owls. Do not use drones to photograph or record video footage of birds, especially at their nests. I'm David Sparks, producing this report in association with the Ag Information Network. Farmers know a thing or two about being tough, and they hold their wheat to that same standard. Their fields need to be able to take on anything, because there's no telling what tomorrow has in store. That's why Westbread brand wheat offers varieties like WB9303 and WB9668, both offering strong yield potential and high protein content. Meet your standards of excellence. Plant Westbread. Performance may vary.
4: We're big fans of stability. It's not something you hear every day, but in an industry as volatile as agriculture, it's really good to know. At Northwest Farm Credit Services, we've been financing the needs of farmers and ranchers for over 100 years, through thick and thin, because we believe in what we do and who we do it for. So if partnering with a stable lender sounds good to you, give us a call. We'd be happy to help. Northwest Farm Credit Services, here to help you grow. Equal Opportunity Provider and Employer, Equal Housing Lender.
2: NorthwestFishingReports.com is the Northwest's largest fishing reports website, featuring well over 50,000 fishing reports, videos, articles, and more. Catch more fish with Northwest Fishing Reports.
5: Go fishing. Help salmon and make money. You can do it through September 30th by catching northern pike minnow and turning them in for cash. Here's how it works. First, register at a designated station on the Columbia or Snake River. Then, go fishing. At the end of the day, turn in any pike minnow you catch 9 inches or longer and look for the ones with tags worth $500. bucks. you will get vouchers for those pike minnow you turn in, and you mail those in for cash. Find out more at pikeminnow.org.
1: Next up on Northwestern Outdoors Radio, we're checking in with my old friend, Eric Winther. He's with the Northern Pike Minnow Sport Reward Fishery Program. This is the program that pays you money to go fishing on the Columbian Snake Rivers for Northern Pike Minnow, turning them in to select stations and getting vouchers that turn into cash for you. Eric, welcome back. Hey, good to be here, John. So big news. Inflation is up. I think everyone knows that. But the Northern Pike Minnow Sport Reward Fishery Program is keeping up with inflation. Understand you are going to be shelling out more money for fish in the year ahead.
0: That we are. Last year was a little bit of a down year from a participation point of view. And as we all know, things are costing more, everything from gas to bait to launch fees. So uh, we bumped the rewards up for the 22 season and are hoping that that brings more anglers back to participate in the Pike Minnow Program this year.
1: So, what are the rewards this
0: year? So, this year's rewards are $6 for the first 25. After you hit 25, it jumps up to $8. And then once you hit 200, it jumps up to $10. So, that's a pretty good sizable chunk. All three tier levels, no matter what your fishing level is, you get a benefit this year. Kind of a pay raise, so to speak.
1: I like it. I like this a lot. Call it a cost of living increase, folks. In addition to that, you've got those tagged pike minnow that are worth $500 each still. We do have the tag pike minnow. They're worth five hundred dollars each. And like past years, there's
0: also what's called a tag loss uh, pike minnow, which has a pit tag but lost the the external tag. We did bump those tag loss fish up to two hundred bucks from one hundred last year too. So that's an extra added benefit with the five hundred dollar tags.
1: Oh, absolutely love that. How many of these pike minnow get tagged every year? So Oregon Department of Fish
0: and Wildlife does the tagging portion of our program. Any given year, they could put out there somewhere between 500 and 2,500 fish any given year. A lot of it depends on water flow. The shock boats are less effective in high water. So if it's high when they shock, less tags go out. If it's low when they shock, more tags.
1: You mentioned there was less participation last year. There was definitely less catch and there was less money paid out even to the people that were participating. What do you attribute that to?
0: the biggest driver in all of this is river conditions. And so if the conditions are not great at the peak of the season, which traditionally is about the third week of June, or if they're late up on the Snake River, or if they're not great late in the year on the lower river below Bonneville, all those things just seemed like a perfect storm where they just didn't line up. And it was just tough fishing. And a lot of people gave up early, and we just didn't get the effort overall that we normally would have got. Probably a little bit of COVID mixed in there too.
1: Right. But despite that, You still paid out $61,000 to the top angler last year.
0: That's true. A little over 7,000 fish, uh, a little over 61,000 for the top angler. So he did pretty well, and the average catch per angler this past year was slightly better than the year before. So the fish were there. It's just a matter of getting folks out and finding them and catching them
1: so far this is shaping up to be a decent year in terms of runoff of course we got a couple months of winter to go so we're not going to call it good yet but at least it's looking promising right now and hopefully that means we're going to get into more normal fishing again for the pike minnow Uh, let's talk about the season this year last year you had an extended season trying to increase participation what are the dates this year for the pike minnow sport reward fishery program
0: so this year's dates are we're going back to our normal standard May 1st through September 30th. We'll, we'll evaluate as we get close to the end of September, and if, if it warrants, we may uh, do an extension. I had hoped to possibly open a little bit early this year, but doesn't look like I'm going to be able to pull that off. So uh, May 1st through September 30th.
1: All right. Well, make plans now to go fishing for pike minnow uh, because you're doing the salmon and steelhead a favor when you do. The northern pike minnow, they are a native fish. This program is not designed to eradicate them, but it is designed to control their numbers so they have less of an impact on out-migrating steelhead and salmon smolt. So not only are you making money, you're helping our prized salmon and steelhead fisheries in the process. Next time up, we'll talk a little bit about how to catch these pesky little pike minnow. But until then, folks, I would direct you to the Northern Pike Minnow Sport Reward Fishery website. That would be pikeminnow.org, pikeminnow.org. It's got all the information you need to participate in this program, and there's some great information information there too about how to catch pike minnow and how to participate further in this program. Eric, always a pleasure. All right, John, thanks for having me. This portion of the show was brought to you by our friends at Sina Sea Seafoods. They're the ones that will deliver wild-caught Alaskan seafood right to your door. We are talking premium quality fish here as well as king crab legs, but I've got to talk a little bit more about their smoked salmon. I have really, Fallen in love with the smoked salmon they have in the foil pouches. And I'll tell you why. I mean, it's the ultimate grab-and-go protein. When I'm out hiking, I burn a lot of calories. I burn a lot of energy. And I've learned that protein is a great way to get that energy back. So in the past, I've taken almonds with me or trail mix or stuff like that. But I'll tell you what I'm going to start taking now. That's going to be smoked salmon from sea to sea, along with some crackers. I mean, treat yourself to a nice little break the next time you're out hiking and need to pick me up, open up one of those foil packages and put some smoked salmon on a cracker and just feast away. Get that energy back and guarantee you, you'll have a big smile on your face and all sorts of energy too in no time at all. Better still, it's a whole lot healthier than trail mix. I mean, salmon's a super healthy food for you. You can order smoked salmon in foil pouches or glass jars from to C. We're talking a Copper River Coho, Copper River Sockeye, and Prince William Sound Sockeye Salmon too, just go to their website to do so. You'll find it at C. that's spelled S-E-N-A-S-E-A.com, CINAC.com for Senasea Seafood, premium wild caught Alaskan seafood delivered right to your door. Oh, and don't forget to use the coupon code Outdoors Radio because when you do, you will get 10% off your entire order. That coupon code again, Outdoors Radio, and the website again, com. All right, let's talk trout fishing, something you might not necessarily think of doing in February, but... You probably should, because the states of Oregon, Idaho, and Washington are all busy stocking lakes with catchable-sized trout and bigger this month. Let's start off in southwest Idaho, where the Idaho Department of Fish and Game actually stocked over 1,400 10- to 12-inch rainbows in the Boise River in and around Boise. The Wilson Ponds out in Napa have been stocked every week this month with one or 200 fish in each pond, and this week, the ponds in Wiser and Payette were also stocked with rainbows rainbow trout. Heading to Oregon's Willamette Valley, Timberland Lake, Walling Pond, Junction City Pond, Hills Creek Reservoir, and the Alton Baker Canoe Canal in Eugene just outside of Autzen Stadium, they were all scheduled to receive plants of catchable trout this past week. And let's not forget Southwest Washington. Battleground Lake in Clark County received a plan of 1,500 catchable rainbow trout earlier this month and off at Lake near Tonino, which has a little fishing resort on it, received a plant of 300 jumbo five-pound rainbow trout a couple of weeks ago, and I'm sure some of those are still swimming around and ought to be a whole lot of fun to hook into. Now, assuming that you haven't grabbed your trout rod yet and headed out the door to head to one of these bodies of water, uh, let's review some of the sportsman shows that are coming up in the weeks ahead. The Idaho Sportsman Show will be taking place at Expo Idaho on March 3rd through the 6th. That's a really big one for folks in southwest Idaho and eastern Oregon to attend. The Central Oregon Sportsman Show is March 10th through the 13th. That also attracts quite a few visitors from eastern Oregon and all up and down the Highway 97 corridor in central Oregon, too. This is a great show. And if you're in the market for an RV, definitely one you want to check out. They always have a good selection there and lots of them. Finally, the Bighorn Outdoor Adventure Show is March 17th through the 20th. It's put on by the Inland Northwest Wildlife Council, and it'll be great to attend this show again in Spokane. Uh, We've missed it for two years now because of COVID, and I think a lot of folks are really excited to be attending the Bighorn Outdoor Adventure Show again. Stick around, we've got more of the outdoors coming your way to include an extended Max Minute with Shelby Ross who's going to teach you how to catch walleye right after the ice comes off your favorite walleye fishing lake.
4: The Bighorn Outdoor Adventure Show is back at the Spokane County Fair and Expo Center. We are celebrating 60 years of the Bighorn Show with entertainment and activities for the whole family. There's an all-new lineup of seminars from top outdoor experts and live music every day. Kids love the silver mine, fishing world, and reptile man. And everyone loves trophy territory. Check out hundreds of guides, outfitters, and outdoor products from March 17th to 20th. Get your tickets at Ziggy's or search Bighorn Show Spokane online to purchase tickets nature at its finest that's what you'll find in northeast oregon's wallowa county paddle a kayak or go fishing at wallowa lake hike into the eagle cap wilderness or soak in the views after taking the tram to the top of mount howard find out more at chamber.com.
0: you're back with more of the great outdoors on
1: northwestern outdoors radio with john cruz It's time for another Max Minute, brought to you every week by Max Lure. With us this week is Max Lure Pro Guide Shelby Ross, the owner of Ross Outdoor Adventures. He offers guided fishing trips for walleye and bass on Potholes Reservoir and Moses Lake in central Washington. Shelby, great to have you back on the air. John, always great to be with you. I am waiting for the ice to melt at Potholes Reservoir and some of the other area lakes. I know anglers all over the greater northwest are waiting for the same thing. Let's talk about walleye fishing right after ice out. That water's cold. What are you doing to entice bites?
3: So... Generally, when the ice uh, goes away, the fish are still uh, staging at the mouths of each of the cricks that feeds the reservoir. So Crab Creek and Lynn Cooley are the two main ones. And so at the mouths of each of those cricks, those fish will be kind of staging, waiting for the signal to go upstream to do their spawn. And that's later in the season the spawn happens. So that's oh. where to start to target them.
1: Well, this sounds really easy. I mean, no matter what lake you're on, if you're basically looking for an inlet creek or an outlet creek, and you can find that school of walleye, I mean, they're certainly as big as they're going to get this time of year. Are they easier to catch than other times of year or not?
3: No, they're not easy to catch, and a lot of that with the cold water, you've got to go slow. And a lot of those fish are deep, and seems like color really matters that time of year. And for some reason, orange is my go-to pattern when it's 40 foot or deeper water.
1: Interesting. So you always talk about matching the hatch, but a bright orange, what is that matching? I have no idea,
3: but the walleye eat it and uh, we'll have an orange smile blade on a couple of the rods at least in more than a few days. By the time you're done, all the rods are switched over to an orange pattern smile blade.
1: Well, there you go, folks. Use any color you want, as long as it's orange, and invest in some smile blades so you can get that ultra slow spin at those slow speeds. Look for smile blades and all sorts of other walleye lures from Max Lure at a sporting goods store near you or at maxlure.com. .com
4: Want to put a smile on your face? Start off by putting a smile blade from Max Lure Company on your line. Max smile blades come in different sizes and spin at slow speeds, not like those metal blades on other lures. Buy them separately or on ready-made rigs like the wedding ring spinner, double whammy, wallet pop, and more. Smile Blades work for trout, bass, walleye, as well as other species, and when that fish hits, you'll have a grin on your face that won't go away. The Smile Blade, only from Max Lure Company.
5: Sportsman's Warehouse is America's premier outfitter and has what you need as a hunter, angler, hiker, paddler, camper, and outdoors enthusiast. They also carry an extensive assortment of firearms and ammunition you simply can't find anymore at many big box stores. On top of that, their knowledgeable staff is here to help you purchase the right gear so you can get the most out of your outdoor experience. Visit your local Sportsman's Warehouse store today or shop online anytime at sportsmans.com. Backcountry Hunters and Anglers is the voice for your public lands, waters, and wildlife. From the Canadian Yukon to the Florida Everglades, we're stepping up to conserve North America's public lands, defend our hunting and fishing traditions, and expand access to the outdoors. Find out how you can get involved at backcountryhunters.org.
1: back in with Northwestern Outdoors Radio. I'm John Cruz. We are broadcasting from the floor of the Washington Sportsman Show at the fairgrounds in Puyallup talking to one of my favorite guests, Doug St. Denis, the owner of 365 Charters in western Washington. Doug, great to have you back on the air.
6: Thanks for having me, John. I
1: appreciate it. So you're giving seminars at the show, Bass Fishing on a Budget, and I think this is a very timely topic. The, The Bassmaster Classic's coming up. A lot of folks are seeing bass fishing on TV, and people think that you have to have a bass boat that's worth anywhere from 50 to 100 grand and all the latest electronics can be worth up to 30 grand to go bass fishing. That's simply not true, is it?
6: No, that's not true at all, John. In fact, with our fishing here in the Pacific Northwest, it's primarily been trout, steelhead, salmon, but we have great bass populations. And for those anglers that are wanting to get into it, you know, they see stuff on TV and that's exciting to watch, but that is not the reality of getting into bass fishing. And you absolutely can start bass fishing on a budget and be very successful doing it.
1: You don't even need a boat. I actually grew up, Quarter mile away from Lake Sammamish, used to head down to Idlewood Park down there. And I caught plenty of largemouth bass and smallmouth bass off of docks, right off the shore. I mean, it's very doable to get into bass fishing even from the bank. That is true. It all comes down to accessibility, right? You might
6: not be able to fish some of the areas of the water, but like you said, there's a lot of docks and there are parks that are on these waterways. And listen, look at what the guys in the boat are doing. They're casting toward the shore. You're on shore. You don't have to cast that far to start catching some bass.
1: Let's talk about boats because a lot of folks do want to get a boat to go ahead and explore some other places that you can't get to on shore. A lot of times because it's just private land and you just can't get onto it. But you don't need to have a multi-thousand dollar bass boat. I know I used to live on a 40-acre pond and I did most of my bass fishing either out of a canoe or a 12-foot boat with a 30-pound thrust electric motor.
6: That's true. So what a lot of people may not know is bass fishing out of kayaks has really taken hold. And my goodness, you can get into a kayak very cheaply. So there are other types of boats. For under $1,000, you can get on the water and access some of these other areas that you couldn't access if you're fishing from the bank. You don't need the very expensive electronics. You just need boat control. That's what you need. You need to be on the water and have control of your boat so that you can target those fish.
1: You know, it's so interesting you're saying that, and I agree with you completely about you don't need electronics on a small boat or a kayak or a canoe, because let's face it, especially in the spring, those fish, they're towards the bank. I mean, it's very structure oriented, or it's kind of like a no-brainer. Oh, there's a tree stump there, or a fallen tree. There's going to be a bass there, or several bass there, more than likely. So you're absolutely right. So we've taken the whole idea of You need an expensive bass boat to go bass fishing. You don't need that. We both agree on that. Let's talk about tackle. Let's talk about rods. Again, getting back to those television shows, you'll see these guys with like 15 rods strapped on the front of their boat. That's true. I mean, in my bass boat for client trips, I have 26
6: rods. Do I need 26 rods to get them into fish? No. Well, you might if I'm fishing with you because I'll break at least three. (laughs) (laughs) Well let's hope that doesn't happen (laughs) you know what here's what it comes down to if you're bass fishing on a budget you have to keep in mind you've got a plethora of tackle plethora of lures i don't think there's another type of fishing that has this many choices and it can really get away from you very quickly oh yes so let's keep that to a minimum because we are on a budget you could start with two rods now, the sacrifice is if you switch from fishing, say, a jerkbait and you want to go to a crankbait, you just have to retie on another rod. But it's only the matter of tying the new bait on there. So a person can really get into bass fishing with just a couple rods and maybe four types of bait and be successful and catch fish.
1: And let's transition to that. Unless you're tournament fishing, tying on doesn't really matter. It's not a big deal, just part of the day. So in terms of the specific lures you would pair with specific rods, let's talk through what some of those are for the bass angler on a budget. I think what you
6: really want to look at is your more versatile rods. Because if you're bass fishing on a budget, you're not going to have a specific rod just for drop shotting or a specific rod just for a crankbait you want a more versatile rod and so what i recommend to people is something between six foot five seven foot three
1: in a medium action and believe it or not get a spinning rod That's pretty much exclusively what I fish with, is spinning rods. I've got a couple bait casters, but 99% of the time when you see me bass fishing, I'm using spinning rods. And it's funny, if you didn't say exactly what you said, I was going to recommend exactly the same. All of my bass rods are 6.5 to 7.3. They're all medium action. What kind of line do you like to spool on them? And again, we're talking budget here. So especially thinking of budget, a lot of folks are going to want to go to that braid
6: right away. Braid is expensive. Monofilament is not. And let's be honest, you know, I grew up fishing for bass. We didn't have braid. We fished monofilament. We caught thousands of fish. So my recommendation is if you're tight on your budget, stick with your monofilament. As your budget increases, maybe then you could step up to braid. But what I'll go one further for you is then top shot your braid with a fluorocarbon. That way, the braid's going to last a long time, and you're not
1: spending a lot of money spooling up a whole reel of fluorocarbon. Let's switch to three or four go-to lures. Now, one's obviously a crankbait. I mean, there's different crankbaits for different situations. But again, going on a budget, if there's just like one or two crankbaits that people should have that'll work for most situations from spring through fall, what would you recommend? We need to break
6: our baits down like this. We have search
1: baits, and that's
6: going to be things like our jerk baits and our crank baits and our swim baits. And then we have targeting baits, which are going to be things like drop shot. So what I think folks need, they need a crank bait. They should have a jerk bait. They need some soft plastics so that they can do Texas rig or Carolina rig, but most importantly, drop shotting. They need those four things for sure. And then if they want to add something like a swim bait with maybe an underspin, they can do that. But the crankbait, the jerkbait, and the soft plastics, that's going to cover the realm that they need to cover to get into bass fishing on a budget. After that, it comes to color.
1: All right. And let's talk color because I live in eastern Washington. So especially when we're talking like jigs with trailers black and blue baby it's black and blue especially in the spring
6: black and blue and it really comes down to this you need to know what your bass are feeding on in your waters
1: and i have no idea what's black and blue in potholes reservoir by the way
6: i would say it's probably bluegill so (laughs) a little story i had a guy who's lived here for past five six years came bass fishing with me and he told me straight up he says i've been living here for five six years i've been bass fishing my whole life and i cannot catch fish so we talked about color not technique but color and he was like i have the complete opposite spectrum because he comes from the south and they're feeding on different bait up here western washington eastern washington even your bass are going to be feeding on trout fry they're going to be feeding on kokanee fry they're going to be feeding on perch so you want to get colors oh and especially especially crawfish our lakes are loaded with crawfish so when you're looking at say your crankbait colors pick your perch colors especially even the ones that have perch stripes your trout colors the silver and chrome those are going to mimic your kokanee but when you're on the bottom say fishing a crawdad or a tube stick with your craw colors maybe your red flakes your green pumpkin stick with those darker colors mimicking the bait that the bass are feeding on now you're going to start being more successful
1: fishing for smallmouth and largemouth bass one last thing I'm going to throw in here. This is probably not part of your seminar, but I'm going to recommend this. So you've just heard a lot of great ways you can fish on a budget for bass. And and I grew up doing it. You grew up doing it. We both have bass boats now, but that doesn't mitigate the fact that we've both caught thousands of bass over the years and have not spent a lot of money doing it. But I would recommend this. For you listening out there who maybe want to get into bass fishing, don't want to spend a lot of money, I would recommend one investment. And that is going on a trip with Doug St. Denis bass fishing because it won't just be a bass fishing trip, it'll be an instructional period too. You're going to be able to pick his brain, he's going to be able to answer your questions, and you're going to come away not just a happy angler by the fish you catch but also a smarter angler who's going to have a whole bunch of tools in your toolbox that you can use for the rest of your life. What's the website folks should go to, Doug? They can find me at 365charters.com that's 365charters.com. Go ahead and check it out. Book a trip. Become a better bass angler. Thanks so much, Doug. Thank you, John.
6: From a bull elk ripping a bugle across the valley to wing beats on a duck marsh. Public lands and waters are integral to our outdoor heritage. Become a member of Backcountry Hunters and Anglers and stand up for our public lands and waters. Visit backcountryhunters.org today.
1: You're back in with Northwestern Outdoors Radio. I'm John Cruz. I'm a member of the Northwest Outdoor Writers Association and a fellow member. Randall Bonner, who was a writer from Corvallis, Oregon, has come out with a brand new book. It's all about using beads to catch salmon and trout and steelhead. It's called The Bead Fishing Bible. Randall, congratulations on this new book by Amato Publications. Thank
7: you. I got about five years of work into this, so there's a lot of pictures and a lot of different places, a lot of different species of fish, a lot of different product manufacturers, a lot of work going into it.
1: Well, let's talk about bead fishing, and and why don't you explain for some of our listeners who are not familiar with bead fishing exactly what it is and how it works, and why it works too. Well,
7: I mean, it's just like it sounds. You're basically stringing a bead on a line with a hook, and... It imitates the most nutritious food source in the river for these fish, which is an egg. And that's what these fish are, you know, munching on as a snack in the river. And, you know, there's a lot of larger presentations that people fish and bait and whatnot. But whereas a jig or a worm might be like a cheeseburger, a bead might be more like a Skittle or an M&M. And while you might not have the uh, appetite for, you know, country fried steak and gravy, I mean, who's going to turn down an M&M? So
1: beads are... (laughs) I have never heard of it put that way, but I love the analogy. That is really good. So walk us through the book from start to finish. You know, where do we start? What are we covering here? So, I mean, that's kind of what I cover in
7: the uh, the beginning is talking about eggs in their place in the river, and them being a nutritious food source for steelhead, salmon, trout, uh, what it imitates, and why they eat it. And, you know, we go into choosing the right beads, so going to... Things about like color and size and profile. And I want
1: to talk about that. I want to talk about if you're there on the stream and you're trying to decide what size bead to use, what color bead to use, what are some clues you should be looking for?
7: Well, a lot of it goes into like water color, water temperature, you know, different things that vary what kind of profile and what kind of color you're going to be using to target fish.
1: Okay, so let's say you're fishing cold and clear. What is a typical bead you might want to use for steelhead? Well, you know, the thing is, with cold
7: water, you know, when you talking about clear water, you think of a small, realistic presentation that's real low profile. At the same time, when you take water temperature into effect, then, you know, you start thinking about how a fish's eyes work, and, you know, it's almost like you're driving through a storm or, like... Fog, You know, so when fish are dealing with cold water temperatures, their physiological reaction to the water temperature kind of slows down their behavior. So sometimes, even if it's clear and you might want to go to some of the clear water colors, if it's cold, you might want to fish with something a little more big or loud,
1: bright. Interesting. Same question for colored water. We're talking like maybe just one or two feet of visibility. Well... One thing I like to say
7: is when it's brown, fish a clown. So the clown <laughs> pattern beads.
1: You are full of these great <laughs> phrases. Go on.
7: Some of the clown pattern beads uh, that have this interesting UV contrast and multiple colors of UV. I don't know why they like it so much. I don't really understand a whole lot of the why. I just know that they work really well. Another one that I like to kind of compare is in green water. I like to fish something that's bright pink. I don't really, again, understand why that works, but I like to think of a watermelon, green and pink. So when I fish green water, I like fishing really bright pink colors. And then in clear water, you know, if it's warm, you're more subtle, transparent colors.
1: So let's talk about actually buying your book, The Bead Fishing Bible, from Amato Publications. Is it available now, or we have to wait a little bit longer?
7: So right now it's mid-February, and any day now the boat should be showing up with the books and boxes on pallets in a shipping container that hopefully we can get into soon get the books out of the boxes put them into the padded envelopes put those in the post office and hopefully end up in your mailbox as soon as possible but it's probably going to be late in the steelhead season by the time it gets to you
1: but the thing about this book is that You're going to use the the knowledge in here for years to come. And it just goes to show you, folks, the supply chain issue. It isn't just about cars and it's just about boats and semiconductor chips and all that stuff. It's even about books. But I've got a sample proof here. This is an absolutely beautiful book. It's chock full of information. Would highly recommend going to amatobooks.com. A-M-A-T-O, amatobooks.com. And check out the Bead Fishing Bible. Put in a pre-order now. If you're serious about salmon fishing, steelhead fishing, and and even trout fishing, bead fishing is a fantastic technique that's going to get you into more fish, and this book will help you do it. Randy, congratulations on your first book. It's a beauty, and I wish you great luck on the water and in selling this book, too. Thanks, sir. Good to see you, John. Turning our attention to conservation, in particular, wolves... The U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service removed wolves from the endangered species list last year under the Trump administration, and as expected, several environmental groups immediately filed lawsuits. Well, a U.S. District Court judge in California has decided to restore federal protections to gray wolf populations in most of the lower 48. So, starting today, except for Idaho and Montana, and parts of eastern Oregon and eastern Washington. Gray wolves are once again protected under the Endangered Species Act. The decision, as you might imagine, is applauded by these environmental groups that filed this lawsuit, but organizations like the Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation thinks this is a really bad idea. In the words of Kyle Weaver, the Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation president and CEO, scientists, biologists, and professional wildlife managers agree that wolf populations are stable and growing. As such, they should remain under the umbrella of state management. Management, since state wildlife agencies successfully manage all other wildlife in line with the North American Wildlife Conservation Model, through regulated hunting and trapping. In a press release from the Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation, they point out that wolf population estimates fly in the face of the latest ruling by this U.S. District Court Judge Jeffrey White in Oakland, California. They are well above state management plan levels in Michigan, Minnesota, and Wisconsin, while topping all-time modern-day levels in both Oregon and Washington. Additionally, there are established wolf packs in California, Colorado, and verified sightings in other states. The release goes on to point out that there are some 7,000 to 11,000 wolves in Alaska and approximately 60,000 in Canada, which means that these wolves, they're not exactly endangered when you think of their populations on our North American continent as a whole. Weaver goes on to say the process is broken. Science speaks for itself, and yet again and again, we see that chronic frivolous litigation continues and thwarts proven science-based state-led wildlife management. If you want to keep up what's going on with wolves and other wildlife, the Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation website is definitely a good place to go. You can check that out anytime at rmef.org. That's rmef.org. Stick around. We've got more of the outdoors coming your way to include your Sportsman's Warehouse trivia question of the week.
5: Sportsman's Warehouse is America's premier outfitter and has what you need as a hunter, angler, hiker, paddler, camper, and outdoors enthusiast. They also carry an extensive assortment of firearms and ammunition you simply can't find anymore at many big box stores. On top of that, their knowledgeable staff is here to help you purchase the right gear so you can get the most out of your outdoor experience. Visit your local Sportsman's Warehouse store today or shop online anytime at sportsmans.com.
4: Ducks Unlimited is the leading waterfowl and wetlands conservation organization in the world. Here in Idaho, we've lost nearly 76% of our wetlands. Ducks Unlimited is working to stop that loss. In Idaho alone, DU has restored and conserved over 27,000 acres of wetlands. Learn more about the benefits of wetlands and what Ducks Unlimited is doing for Idaho's future. Visit ducks.org slash Idaho. The Bighorn Outdoor Adventure Show is back at the Spokane County Fair and Expo Center. We are celebrating 60 years of the Bighorn Show with entertainment and activities for the whole family. There's an all-new lineup of seminars from top outdoor experts and live music every day. Kids love the silver mine, fishing world, and reptile man. And everyone loves trophy territory. Check out hundreds of guides, outfitters, and outdoor products from March 17th to 20th. Get your tickets at Ziggy's or search Bighorn Show Spokane online to purchase tickets.
2: We've got time for one more
0: shot of Northwestern Outdoors Radio with John Cruz.
1: I'm glad you're back. You know, spring is just around the corner, which means it's time to think fishing. And... The place to go to stock up for all the fishing gear you need, whether it be rods and reels or lines or swivels or weights or lures and hooks and bobbers and bait. Yes, the place to go is your local sportsman's warehouse store. There are over 125 sportsman's warehouse stores around the nation, and a good portion of them are located right here in the western United States. So there's bound to be one near you, but if there's not for some reason, you can always order online anytime at sportsmans.com. All right. Let's get on with your Sportsman's Warehouse trivia question of the week. We are very blessed, living where we do, that there's lots of wilderness areas for us to explore on foot and on horseback. And the biggest one of them all, at least in the lower 48, is found in the state of Idaho. It covers 2.3 million acres. That's a lot of real estate. And here's your question. What is the name of this huge wildlife area, the biggest in the lower 48? If you think you know the answer, You know what to do. Go to our Facebook page at Northwestern Outdoors Radio. For some reason, you haven't liked and followed the Facebook page yet. Please do so, it helps us out when you do that. And then go to the post thread where we have the question and just give us your answer there. If you can't find that post thread, or if you just don't like to do Facebook, I completely understand. In that case, just go to our website at northwesternoutdoors.com, shoot us an email, and let us know the name of the largest wilderness area in the lower 48 located in the gem state of Idaho. One lucky person who guesses right wins that $25 gift card we love to give away from Sportsman's Warehouse. Before we go today, I've got one more topic for you, and that would be shed and hoard hunting. Tis the season, after all, to get out there onto the winter range and see if you can find some of those treasures in the forms of antlers and horns dropped by animals like moose and elk and deer. And if you're really lucky, you'll find the pair from the same animal. That's always a real treat. But there's a few things you have to remember. Number one, uh, there are seasons in some states. For example, in much of western Wyoming, you cannot look for shed antlers and horns until May 1st. That's the opening for it. It's a very popular opening too. Even if you are legally allowed to access the lands where you want to look for shed antlers, you need to be cognizant that the animals that are still on that winter range, they're really low in terms of reserves when it comes to energy. You don't want to harass them. You don't want to scare them off. And that's exactly what happened recently in Idaho where some snowmobilers were harassing a herd of mule deer. And you can literally kill these animals by forcing them to run and use up what little reserves they have left. So don't be that guy. Don't be that gal. Also, you need to respect private property. You also mucking up the landscape. Stay on established roads and don't go on lands where the ground is soft and you're going to just really make ruts and mud and all sorts of other problems. It's going to take years for the landscape to heal. Ethical shed hunting. It's a thing. Get out there. Enjoy it where you can, but do it the right way. On that note, we've got to go. So until next time, do take care, God bless, and make it a point to spend some time outdoors.